Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Jumbled Thoughts podcast. My name is Bryce, and this is a podcast that I've been putting together and hosting for the last couple of weeks. So far, I only have one episode out before this, and I know I skipped last week. Um, if you follow me on Instagram at Jumbled Thoughts Podcast, you will see that I skipped last week because I was having some editing issues and I didn't have this episode fully put together yet. And instead of just putting something out, I wanted to wait and put this out because I'm very excited about this episode than this topic that I'm going to talk about today. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that today's topic is deeper meanings in movies. Um, and two movies in particular that I'm going to talk about are The Outsiders and Coraline. Two of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. I still watch them all the time. Can't get bored of them. I don't grow old of them. And they're just, they're good movies. They really are. I love watching them. I love kind of dissecting them. And every time I watch it, I pick up a little something I didn't see before. Especially in Coraline. It has a lot of hidden messages. Hidden scenes that, or hidden things in scenes that make you realize how much deeper the plot in the movie goes which is I love that it's always interesting watching a movie for the third fourth fifth time and just picking up little clues that you didn't see before and then The Outsiders is a great movie because there's a ton of symbolism in it and a lot of the symbolism is very evident in your face and you can pick it up right away but I think that's what makes it good I think it's a very simple movie it stays very true to the book and it's I think it's just a perfect visual retelling of the book and when I read the book before seeing the movie, all the stuff I pictured in my head, I saw in the movie. So that was very cool and very exciting. But yeah, thank you for listening and thanks for showing your support. And if you follow me on Instagram, again, a big thank you. I appreciate all of the support and all of the DMs and everybody who really listened to the first episode. I know I've gotten some messages about people who were listening to the episode and were just very excited and they were picking out notes and stuff and we were able to talk. And so thank you. I appreciate it. Again, I'm sorry for missing last week, but I'm back this week with a great episode. I'm ready to talk about it. I'm hoping you guys are just as excited as I am, and I hope you take something out of it. So let's get into this. First movie, The Outsiders. Love this movie. If you've never seen it, basically it's set in the 1950s. There's two social classes. There's the greasers who are kind of poor. They live in what you would call in the movie like the ghetto. And then you have the socias who live in the suburbs, the upscale neighborhood, they have money. And there's two social classes, right? So two different levels of wealth. And throughout the movie, they get into conflicts. They have some understandings with certain characters. And, you know, it ends with how most great movies do with one big battle. You could say there was a big fight scene at the end. And I don't want to spoil too much, but there's also some other stuff at the ending that was pretty sad. But for this topic, we'll just talk about the big fight scene at the end. So really the main message in this movie in The Outsiders, if on the surface, you see in this movie that the main message that they're trying to convey is like physical conflict and fighting based over class and social class and economic wealth is just pointless. In the movie, it didn't get them anywhere. In real life, it won't get you anywhere. And in the movie, it definitely showed towards the end that it's pointless because certain events happened and it, most of it was sad. And you just kind of got the feeling like, okay, that was all of that in the moment they felt was right. And at the end, they all kind of came together and realized it was all pointless and none of it mattered. All right, I'll spoil a little bit. Some, a couple characters died and it just, they all kind of realized at the end that there was no point to all of it. Um, but that's really just the main message that I got from the movie. And then some of the 
Like I said, this movie has a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of symbolism, which I love symbolism in movies, especially when it's very out in the open and in your face, you know? So like some of the symbolism in the movie is how like the sunrise and the sunset symbolize unity and connection in the movie. And I just, I have that in my notes because any, that was one of, that was the biggest symbolism in the movie because it kept coming up throughout the movie. And then in the poem that they read, they read a Langston Hughes poem. I don't remember the name of it, but that's where that famous quote from the movie came, stay gold or nothing stays gold forever. You know, that one that everybody's got like tattooed or in their bios or written down or something. And then there's one scene in a particular where the characters Cherry and Ponyboy in the beginning of the movie, they are talking just throughout a, throughout a drive-in like movie theater. And they were just talking and they were talking about sunsets and Pony Boy. I can't remember who asked who, but Pony Boy or Cherry, one of them said when they they love the sunset, they love looking at the sunset at night when it's about to go down. And they asked the other person, they were like, "Do you see the sunset also?" And they came to the conclusion and they came to the realization that their world seems so separate and so far apart and so divided, they still see the same sunset. And that's when Pony Boy really got the realization that they're all everybody's connected it's not as divided as you might think you know so like we all see the same sunset doesn't matter if you live here and i live there you have this much money and i have this little money and well we all go to the same school we all see the same sunrise and sunset and that was pony boy's first realization in the movie that okay there really isn't too much different and apart from all of us other than this one thing that seems so big in the moment and that was just the main overall symbolism that kept coming up in the movie. And the main thing that we kept seeing when Ponyboy and his buddy were watching the sunset later on in the movie. And they were just watching the sunset. And we're still realizing that Dallas and Tubit and everybody else at, back at home were still seeing the same sunset. So that was pretty cool. And that was uh, awesome just in your face if you don't pick apart movies and you don't go into deeper meanings and you or you don't know how or you don't care that's still one you can appreciate because they kept bringing it up and it kept being evident so that's one thing i liked and i know because honestly i think this movie's a hidden gem of a movie and i know it has like an all-star cast at the time it didn't at the time it was just a bunch of kids a bunch of young teen boys and ralph macchio and matt damon i think was in it i think oh, i can't remember but it had a lot of actors who are big now or in it then as like their first big role. So I think that's always really cool going back and watching that, but I definitely think when it comes to hidden gems in movies, that is definitely one of them, just because it does have a lot of criticism towards it. For no reason too, I know film critics like to criticize the movie just because the way it was shot, like the imagery used in the movie, and I'll agree, it's not the prettiest movie to watch, or the characters, it really doesn't give deep connection between the characters, and depending on who's watching the movie, I know some people don't feel, I know when you watch a movie, you want to feel connected to the characters. Some people didn't, and I think that's why they didn't love it, but when I watched it, I felt connected to the characters. When certain characters died at the end, I was sad, you know, it, like, it pulls you into their world, which is more of a which is what a movie should do. It should pull you in and it should pull you into the characters and it should make you think like, okay, this is real. We're all living this. And it's really cool because when you read the book, because I read the book first in middle school. So when you read the book and then you watch the movie, they're so similar and they convey the same message and feeling, which is perfect. In my opinion, I love it. I think it's perfect and that's the way it needs to be. I don't like when I read a book, which I don't read books often. I love movies. I'll watch a movie before I read a book, but this few books that I have read 
and then watch the movies for them. I don't like when they change too much to it, which that's just me. I like when, I mean, anybody could take their own creative take on whatever they want, but I know for me, if I watch a movie based on a book, I like it to be exactly like the book in some sort of way. But like I said, that's just me. And that's really it for The Outsiders. And like I said, it didn't have too much symbolism other than the sunrise, sunset, and the social class. And it's really all I got from it. It's just a great movie. And it doesn't have as much underlying themes as this next movie about Coraline because Coraline is just filled and filled and filled with stuff, even stuff that I haven't seen yet. When watching the movie, stuff I haven't picked up on, which if you want to watch that movie and you want to talk about it, I would love to because I think that's a movie that can be picked apart and just so much can happen. That movie is crazy. The more I think about how that movie, I mean, even how the movie was made was incredible. It's all stop motion kind of like little figures and the sets that they built for those movies to film those scenes is insane. There's like a whole behind the scenes uh, video. On, there's like a whole behind the scenes video on YouTube of Lakai Studios making Coraline and it's crazy. It's so cool. But yeah, so Coraline, next movie we're going to talk about. And sorry if the outsider seemed kind of like quick or rushed. It was, wasn't much to talk about. I just know that that was a good one because it had a lot of symbolism on the surface that you could see to kind of like get you into what we're going to talk about for Coraline because the deeper meaning in Coraline isn't so in your face. It's all the scenes building on top of each other. And then at the end of the movie is when you realize the whole full meaning of the movie, which what I found from Coraline and the deeper meaning of that is to appreciate what you have, appreciate your home, appreciate and find your courage, find your voice, appreciate the stuff that you take for granted. You know, so like little stuff that we take for granted, like our home and sometimes our family and your car and your job. And this movie really pushed and what I feel is that movie really, especially for kids, pushed that boundary and that barrier down of, OK, we should really appreciate everything we have. Don't take anything for granted, because if you've never seen Coraline, just another quick, very recap of the movie. If you just watch it front to start and don't dig into it is Coraline moves into a house with her family. She thinks her parents are boring. They're wrapped up with work and she finds this door that's basically a portal to an other version of her house and she's got what they call in the movie an other mother and an other father and the other mother's evil tries to kidnap Coraline and it's just interesting watch the movie it's a lot to it's a lot to kind of break down all in like that movie could have its own like episode of just every like nitpicky little thing so to jump into it in the movie Coraline is finds this door she peels back some wallpaper and finds a door just in the wall finds a door which you know i mean wouldn't it be unusual i guess older houses have just like little doors and stuff i mean but so she gets curious about the door and she goes to find this key and this key is the key that opens the lock to this door that basically unlocks this portal and when she opens the door she crawls through this portal and ends up back in her house except it wasn't her house it was like this other version this like created version of her house and the key in this movie not to recap the entire movie but the key in this movie represents freedom and mobility and in power really this key is like the power Coraline needs this key to lock the evil other mother in the other dimension but the other mother needs that key to unlock the portal and be able to use her powers and thrive in both dimensions not just her own so throughout the movie they are going back and forth with the key and they keep trying to get it from one another and it, i always thought it was interesting how one person needed the key to lock it and one person needed the key to unlock it and that was one of just the major f like fights and conflicts in the movie and then another one is 
these button eyes. So these button eyes are interesting because in the movie and just in general, button eyes are, or not button eyes, <laughs> eyes are, some people say like the window to your soul. And I know in the movie they used the button or the viewed eyes as the window to the soul and the other mother needed souls of the living to eat basically and stay alive so when so in the movie she kept trying to get Coraline to use these button eyes because the people in this other dimension just all have button eyes which was kind of scary I know I watched this movie as a kid and I just remember being terrified of just like these button eyes and she kept trying to convince Coraline to have these button eyes because if she took away her eyes which were the window to her soul and replaced them with these button eyes then it almost gave the other mother total control over Coraline and she would be able to capture her soul and we see that later in the movie when Coraline sees these like three ghosts and these three ghosts are basically three other children who had lived in that house before who the other mother was able to trick and capture and take their eyes and just basically capture them forever so that's what the same thing is the movie kind of picks up where that one almost left off and where the previous kid left off and the mother's just going to go through her routine again and try and capture Coraline take her eyes but the difference with Coraline was she was curious and she saw what was happening and she didn't feel right about it so that's why one of the deeper meanings in this movie was to find your courage because Coraline definitely found her courage in fighting back against the other mother, not letting her take her eyes and replace them with buttons. And because if she replaced them with buttons, it was almost like the other mother was treating Coraline as like a doll or a plaything or just like a toy and just viewed her as having total control. And Coraline saw that and Coraline wasn't going to let that happen in the movie. So that was also one of the major conflicts in the movie because this movie had what I think three major conflicts and it was to get free from the other mother, free the three souls that she were the three previous victims, and then also to like defeat the other mother, to lock her in her dimension because overall she never ended up killing her, she just ended up trapping her and locking her in that other dimension. You know, so there was really like, it was, she's still there, she's still living, but as long as Coraline lives in the house and Coraline has the key, nobody's able to get out unless they make a second movie, which, I mean, I would love. I want them to make a second movie so bad. It would be so good and it would it would just perfectly would be able to pick up where the last one left off, but I don't think they will. But anyway, those are the major conflicts and those are just some of the very obvious key points and underlying themes in the movie was the key, what that, what that represented, and the button eyes and what that represented. And then the major conflict. So that was just some of the underlying stuff of the movie. But some of the stuff when you watch the movie and you are like, well, because there's a lot of questions and the more you watch it and the deeper you watch it, you realize, okay, there's like a lot of stuff kind of going on here. And like just some thoughts that I had when I finished the movie were, let me think of an alternate ending. If Coraline would have agreed with the other mother, but I'm like, okay, button eyes, there we go. I want button eyes. Well, what would have happened is we already saw what the three previous souls was. Coraline took the button eyes. The other mother would have taken her soul and they would have imprisoned Coraline. And they saw they like imprisoned Coraline in this be little bedroom. And then eventually she would just forget herself over time. And then it would just be the continuous cycle. So that wasn't too much of a, well, a what if this happened? What if she did agree to the button eyes? We already saw that. The movie already explained that what would happen. We saw it with the three other ghosts. And then just some like curious thoughts that I had because this movie did also leave some unanswered questions was the way the other mother was able to spy on Coraline and spy on her previous victims 
in the house in Coraline's dimension was through this doll. And this, it was just this little doll that looked exactly like Coraline. And in the movie, Coraline's friend came up to Coraline and was like, hey, my grandma has this doll locked in a trunk that looks exactly like you. How weird is that? So that doll was the window that the other mother was able to use and craft a world in her dimension to look like Coraline's to be able to trick her. But I always thought I was like, well, how did the other mother get this doll? Or I'm sorry, how did the friend's grandma get this doll if she wasn't in contact with the other mother or this other dimension in some way? Because in the movie, one of the three kids like ghosts that we saw was this girl. And we know that the grandma had a twin sister that went missing some years ago. They used to live in the house and the twin sister went missing when they were kids. So we could assume that one of, we could assume that the grandma's twin sister was this little girl and maybe that's how she got the doll. But yeah, so I mean, it was all interesting or because if, and now Coraline, I haven't watched in a little bit, but if I remember it correctly, the movie starts off with the doll, with Coraline's doll being made. I just don't remember how the grandma got it or if the grandma made it and hid it in the trunk. But if she made it, why does she know? Like, why is she feeling moved to make dolls that look like these children? And one reason I can come up with is her and her twin sister were connected in some sort of way. And when the other mother took the twin, that's how the grandma has this connection and this, you know, this connection to the other world. And this want to do stuff not want to do stuff but this like need to do things because she just f gets it she just feels it so that's really all i have for the Coraline movie and and if this episode seemed kind of short i'm sorry i'm trying to figure it out i know last episode was about 30 35 minutes and i'm gonna try and have this one be about 20 minutes and i know it's just me by myself talking and i know i want to keep it short but not too short and not too long to keep people engaged so just let me know what you thought of today's episode you know Text me if you have my number, DM me on Instagram if you follow the Jumbled Thoughts podcast Instagram page, but I really hope you guys liked this episode, and I know this was a fun one for me because I love watching movies and I love digging into characters and just what the movies are really about, like, you know, the underlying themes and stuff, and I actually have a very exciting episode for next week too. It's all about photo books, like photography books and photo zines and just zines in general, zines, zines whatever you call them. Because one thing I love to do is I like going to Goodwill and collecting old photo books from like the 80s and 90s because they use all film photographs in them. And that's what I like is I love film photos. So these old photo books have a bunch of photos taken on film. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some zines, some zines I've created. And then one big zine that I'm working on that I'm very excited to share. And I'm not going to say too much about it because I'm going to let it be a big surprise. I'm going to work on it for a little bit and put it out. And yeah, so thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with me, those of you who have just the last two weeks. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I know I did. So you guys have a great day, great week. I'll see you next week where we talk all about photography, books, and photo zines.